1: Hey guys, welcome back for another episode of your Missing the Point podcast where we discuss the weird, the wonderful and the damn bizarre aspects of life as we have conversations with people from all over the world. Today I have a bonus episode for you. That's right, a bonus episode for your listening ears today. What we have for you is 23, a Movie Minds instalment. The final one actually, this was the very last film that Moral Bob and I broke down together before we moved on to Conspiracy Theatre 3000. So... This is a special one, probably one of the darkest films that Jim Carrey ever made, 23. It's a psychological thriller, suspense, horror, all those types of things wrapped into one. Like I've said before, Jim Carrey is one crazy cat and we see that in this film. It delves into the ideas of gematria and numbers expressing things in life. So much in this film. It was actually a really great one to break down. It wasn't his usual silly slapstick comedy tropes. This one was semi-serious, really psychologically tormenting at times, and a killer twist at the end. Fantastic movie. I don't want to give it away, but like if you haven't seen this one already, it's been out for years, so what are you doing? If you haven't seen it, listen to this episode, then go out and watch it, because your mind is going to be blown. Anyway, guys, sit back, enjoy this episode,
0: and I will catch you next time. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Hidden in Plain Sight. I mean, not so humble host, Moral Bob. And as I had alluded to earlier, this is going to be the last episode of Movie Minds. This was a great one. This movie is fucking. It's really kind of mind blowing. And it really kind of lets you know that if you want to see patterns, you're going to see them. So, uh, I mean, even after I watched this movie, I started looking at numbers that that you would see in letters and counting the letters and doing all of it it's so easy to get to 23 it's so easy um uh, or 33 or whatever number you want to do you can you can fit it in like so and i think that's the main point of this movie but anyway this movie brings this series to a close and it is giving birth to something that is going to be bigger, badder and better, you know, we're building it back better, (laughs) but, um, yeah, the next step is going to be fucking rad. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Probably only going to be like once a month, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a hell of a good time and might turn into its own show. Like I say about a lot of things, but who fucking knows? Um, it all comes down to time and, all of that, but I'm rambling because uh, a lot of reasons, I guess. But <laughs> anyway, fuck it. Let's get to the show. Here we go. The last episode of Movie Minds with 23.
1: no but we're recording straight away
0: (laughs) well my producer likes at least 10 seconds of the room yeah Um, perfect so i try to give him some room noise so he can adjust levels and all that shit that is above my pay grade (laughs) yeah Uh, work the real magic (laughs) yeah yeah i let him do everything i don't do anything um i just i just Do the material, give it to him. He charges me a reasonable rate. So, you know, and when I, and when I don't, um, and when I don't do podcasts, apparently it gets into his Jameson money or whiskey money in general, because I I skipped a week recently and he was like, Hey, I need you to do another podcast. (laughs) That's like, oh, my bad dude. Didn't know I was cutting into your booze money. Impacting lives, there, Bob. Hey, man.
1: Uh,
0: I I mean, it could be said that I did him a favor. I cut into his booze money. But maybe for
1: one one podcast a week, you can
0: donate money to a (laughs) right, dude. This fucking movie, nuts, yeah. Like, dude, I started it two and a half hours ago. Like, (laughs) it's an hour and a half movie. I started it two and a half hours ago. I was like, oh, I got. (laughs) I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time. And then I got like, I was like 40 minutes in and saw what time, 40 minutes of the movie in and saw what time it was and was like, oh, shit. I'm not going to finish.
1: We watched it last night and I was probably just the intro in. and I stopped and played back about three different times. And my wife just goes, oh, this is going to be a long movie.
0: Oh, dude, it took me 15. It took me (coughs) uh, probably not 15 minutes, five or 10 minutes just to get through the intro.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I
0: eventually just i i ended up just stopping and letting the intro play because I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm n- I'm never gonna get to the movie. <laughs> but, <geez. laughs> anyway, how are things, man? I saw I saw pictures of your garden and shit. Is weather yeah, okay cool. there? Um, we I reckon we got hit by a weather front manipulated system
1: last weekend. I put the whacker plate down and evened off all the path and had it ready to go, and then we got hit with like 150 milliliters of rain within the space of two hours and it kept going up over the weekend and we had some flooding and everything. So, wow. Not the usual for this time of year, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, we had a big rainstorm come out of nowhere yesterday, just dumped a shitload of rain and that was that. And it hasn't rained in like three or four months, something like that. (laughs) Like, and just all of a sudden it just rained. And I had a thought, I was like, you know, when you see it raining, you see the dark cloud and the rain coming down. Why don't you see this the cloud get smaller? Yeah, like you,
1: you think the clouds, the clouds should be they've got moisture. they've got yeah, but, moisture in them. So you should see it reduce, shouldn't you? Right, in because theory. that's where like, the
0: rain's coming from.
1: It, it should be like a visual dialogue would be, here's a sponge with red food dye in it. As you squeeze it, the red slowly disappears from the sponge, right? Right. So why doesn't that happen with clouds? Yeah.
0: Perfect. Yeah. I was just I was sitting there looking and I'm watching this cloud like towards the horizon just... It was just dumping. You could see all the rain below the cloud. And I was like, I'm sitting there watching it for like five minutes. And I'm like, that cloud's not getting smaller. And it's dumping a shitload of rain. Like it should be reducing in size, but it's not.
1: And also you would think with evaporation, since the cloud is closer to the sun, that it would be evaporating because it's so much further high up in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Unless it's
0: trapped. That yeah. would sense. Yeah, it was a weird thought I had the other day. I was just like, wait, the shit that lives in my brain for free. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like okay, I could I could I, if I let it, I could definitely I could get filled with this shit and uh I guess we'll touch about it. But like I think I think that's kind of the point of this movie yeah. is that they just set shit up for you.
1: Yeah, I think we're on the same page for that one.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, this movie's telling us that they just put that shit out there just to get us to chase our tails and go crazy.
1: Oh, this one was so blatant, so blatant.
0: Yeah, yeah I haven't seen like, this movie since it came out. I think I even yeah, saw but- it in the theater shortly after it got out of the theater and went to like video or whatever. Um, so I haven't watched it since then. Dude, fucking blew my mind all over it.
1: I was a kid when I saw it and could barely remember it. Watching it this time was it. Um, I could remember parts of it, but. I definitely had to look at it through the lens of what we're looking for, but I didn't even have to look for it.
0: It was so obvious this time. Dude, this is, this is the most in your face that we've come across (laughs) in our journey. (laughs) And good way
1: to finish it too. Yeah.
0: So anyway, let's dude, let's get to it. Um, Just let's do like 10 seconds of silence and then start whatever (laughs) intro you want to do. Awesome.
1: Welcome to the final instalment of Movie Minds with the not-so-humble host Moral Bob and myself, Drew Misson, the weekend warrior of podcasting. Today we'll be diving into the number 23 directed by Joel Schumacher. This psychological thriller broke the norm for the standard slapstick comedy of Jim Carrey, showing us his true acting abilities, leaving behind the absurd physical comedy of his past. This film blasted the concept of Gematria into the minds of the general public, leaving many questioning its validity and their own mental states. Let's dive in and hopefully we don't lose our minds in the process. Bob,
0: let's get it going. <laughs> Dude, that was stellar. That was almost like professional and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. You're doing all the intros. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, so so 23, uh, do you have what year this came out? I didn't even look. I was so Uh um, oh.
1: I don't have the year, but I can remember I was would have been in my yeah. early teens when it came out, I think.
0: Um, Are you that I mean, much younger than me? It had to be because in the intro, like we talked about this uh, before we started, in the intro, there's a lot of stuff. And one of the things that's in the intro is 9-11. Oh, no, it's 2007. So, so 2007. All it was right.
1: a year after I graduated. There you go. Okay, cool. I thought
0: it was much earlier than that.
1: Anyway, yeah. So um, yeah, 2007. So yeah, that linked to 9-11 the- there.
0: Does it happen to say what month it was released?
1: Well, this is the interesting thing, because you Americans do things really weird with your dates. You have the month and the day mixed around, which infuriates me. (laughs) Um, It doesn't have it listed here. Hold on. 23rd of February, 2007. 23. (laughs) And that's a theme we're going to see them play on Uh, so much.
0: Yeah, I knew it. I freaking knew it. Right.
1: They 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 really, really ran at home with the publicising of this film in every possible way they could. But before well, we jump course, in, right? before we jump in, I've got to say, like, Gematria, it's really big at the moment. I think it's kind of been big forever, but it comes in waves and cycles, right? Right. This film is extremely underrated, as it is as a cinematic piece of film. The writing, the storyline, the characters, choice of shot, colour, all those things about cinematography are on point. In saying that, Gematria is something that's really interesting. And could be fun to connect the dots with trying to figure out that puzzle. But it's totally a red herring as far as I'm concerned. I think it's it is. It's something to distract us from what's going on and just life in general, stopping us from living our lives. Overall, the massive red herring of it all is represented in colour throughout the movie, which we'll add on to talk about later. And it's something that's repeated throughout the film. But here's a quick, easy way. And I had to play around with it to see how easy it was to do myself. My wife and I sat down with words and numbers trying to figure it out, trying to link anything back to 23. Here it is for our context for our, our movie minds, right? And in the series that we've been doing. Had to try and make it equal 23. Moral Bob. Moral, five words, five letters. Bob, three letters, eight. Drew, missing. Drew, five letters. Missing, six letters, eleven. Eight and eleven together is 19. Add the number of episodes we've done so far, four to that, we get to 23.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can you can do it with anything. And anything. Like anything. it's just anything you can just start being really ridiculous so what i wanted to do because i did some ridiculous stuff at the very beginning during the intro right so i just tried to uh see where because there was random stuff they would put in there and it was like okay how did they get to 23 with that and so you have like one of the first dates you see is january 30th 30th 1649 and so if you take January 30th, you have a three, and then 1649, you add the six and the four and the one in the nine, and that gets 10 plus the three from 30, 23. Like, <laughs> you can just be, you can make anything fit. Imagine
1: <laughs> what w- would happen if you strapped down a idiot savant or a severely autistic person, clockwork orange style, and made them watch this film. Right. They'd flip out. They would flip out with how much it's just blatantly in your face in this one. I'll in do comparison that. to our previous films where they were very... Under the radar, you have to really look for them. This one, it's very blatant, and we discussed it before the intro. It's there for a reason.
0: It's blatant for a reason. Yeah. Well, I think there's a few that we'll see how many I caught that were kind of background that you saw too. That yeah. wasn't so in the face. That was just mm. kind of background stuff where it's like, oh shit.
1: Um, before Before we jump into the film, do you want to have a listen to some facts I found out about this film? Yes. Did a bit of research. On the DVD of it, which I found in my DVD collection, because I'm so old to have DVDs, right? (laughs) It contains exactly 23 chapters in the film. (laughs) The DVD length is one hour, 41 minutes and eight seconds. 14 add one, add eight is 23. The number (laughs) of letters in the two main actor's names, Jim Carrey and Virginia Madsen, is 23. (laughs) Jim Carrey was paid $23 million to act in the movie. Holy shit! Jim Carrey is so obsessed with 23 himself and has said it publicly in interviews that he named his production company JC23 Entertainment. The director, Joel Schumacher, at the age of his death, had made 20 the- 23 theatrical films. <laughs> and the plot is largely based on William S. Burroughs, who held at the number three with high mystical significance.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, $23 million for one movie. Holy Ridiculous, shit, isn't it? holy shit that's and wasn't insane his, and it wasn't his usual fun
1: romp around movie either it was quite dark and mentally fatiguing. yeah so times, how,
0: how would they even know they were going to be able to recoup that cost do you think he just walked in and he said I
1: want 23 million dollars based off the title of the film possibly and he went in I have to have exactly 23 m ms in that bowl it's you possibly. have to give me my, my lunch 23 minutes before the time is due
0: <laughs> yeah oh Jim Carrey would do uh, some nonsense like that too um, he would do some
1: method actor stuff for sure
0: oh god it would be so insane uh if he did that um yeah 23 million dollars holy shit sorry i'm getting i'm getting caught up on that that is a retarded amount of money i think people forget how much actors get paid it's stupid and
1: money that's just the leading actors like it doesn't take into account everyone that was paid on the film down to the boom mic like, operator and the, the key grips and things like that. Like, oh yeah, how much money is being blasted into these films? Well, t-
0: Yeah. I mean, you can look at a lot of movies, especially these days, because the budgets have just ballooned into insane territory. There's some movies that their budgets are like $300 million. $300 million to make it! Just to make the movie. And it's like, holy shit, you gotta make, you know... 350 million dollars to make it worthwhile like like of course i'm not the kind of guy that would want to invest 300 million dollars just to make 50 million dollars like there's got to be easier ways to do that um but think about the, the trash movies that come out that make
1: the money back
0: that are complete dog shit oh dude um there's the famous movie that is napoleon dynamite i think it cost him like 24 grand to make that movie and it profited just like hundreds of millions of dollars. It was ridiculous. Like, like that movie is like one of the most profitable movies ever made. And then again,
1: you get big budget actors all throughout the, the cast. You get the biggest director, the biggest producer, and it can flop. Yep.
0: Yeah. You never know. It's hard to predict. That's it. That's it. <laughs> as
1: all for right. word magic in this film, I try to distance myself from that one as much as possible because it's gematria is a theme for this movie. There was one major one that I'll I'll speak to now before we get started. Uh, uh, So Agatha Pink. So Agatha is our main character's wife who ends up becoming Agatha Sparrow when she marries. Uh, Agatha in Greek means good. And I went for symbolism on her name, Pink, meaning innocent or who cares for the innocent. And we had one more, which was a character we find out later on in the film called Sirius Leary, Sirius being the dog star. Leary mean cautious or beware. So his name means beware the dog. And oh, We can tie that back later on because our main <laughs> character is a dog catcher. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, wait, one last bit of Gematria. There's a character called Laura Tollens in this film. I'm sorry to the listeners for just jumping randomly to this, but I have to say it before I forget it. Laura Tollens is a, a one of the main characters in this storyline. I didn't look so much for the word magic, but I looked for gematria, right? When I researched the name Tollens, it was a name I hadn't heard before. So I went on like Ancestry online and a couple of those other places. And under registered names, there are only 56 people on the registry for the last name Tollens. 11 in Australia, 22 in the United States, and 23 in the United Kingdom. (laughs) So 23 popped up again. (laughs) And you said 11 where? Astra- and- Eleven in Australia, twenty-two in the United States, and then twenty-three in the United Kingdom, with a total of fifty-six worldwide.
0: Ah, oh, that's insane! Oh, geez man, they did uh, this. Is it, it, the gematria stuff in particular? I think is just like it gained so much speed recently that I'm like, dude, this is just all a distraction. It's all nonsense because you you can make the numbers fit anything, which we're gonna get into in this movie. If you it, and I went into it a little bit and kind of, it blew my mind. I was like, holy shit. And then, it, and then it just kind of dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute, this can all be just, even if it, it could either just be happenstance because your mind will just make these things happen or, yeah, it's people, yeah, or it's people that put that stuff in there just to get you to do it. And,
1: and you can see why so many people get drawn and hooked into this type of thing because it's so easy to fall down that rabbit hole.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's I mean, slippery slope, you, could- you go straight into it. You could apply the theory of this movie to any rabbit hole, like mean, anything, no matter what it is. Whether it's Chimatry or Tartaria, freaking whatever, it can it can be applied to whatever you're doing, not just Chimatry. So I think this kind of plays into just the breadcrumbs they leave for everybody to chase.
1: And I think this the, the overall message of this film is, if there is one, is them telling us we can make you dance like a puppet looking for things that aren't there and it's very very obvious in this film and its storyline
0: or things that are there that they put there just to distract us to get that, you yeah that idea to, of the red yes, herring yeah attractive. absolutely yeah yeah it might be there but they put it there just to mess with you <laughs> 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 you oh, know so let's dig. let's dig in man let's get let's started start off. okay All right.
1: starting off our character in the opening scene walter sparrow played by jim carrey he's at his day job sitting in his car of his van as we know him now as a dog catcher. That's where we start off in our film. Straight away, we start to see the colour red
0: represented within this
1: film. In the opening scene, we see a woman walking her little white dog, and she's wearing a bright red jacket.
0: Yeah, that was, dude, I wrote the word red down more than I think I've ever written it down.
1: I just got to the point where I would write, like, red, and I'd not note down exactly what was happening. I just went down red, red, red,
0: red. It was was everywhere everywhere in this movie, yeah so so yeah well leading up to this opening scene you have in the credits and this is what we were talking about in the credits leading up to the scene they have people's names the actors names but it's typing on letter on pages and it's 23s everywhere but then they'll put little facts in and it's all of these little facts like the titanic sinking shakespeare died on the 23rd of april and was born on the 23rd of april um and it goes through, and some of the stuff that it flashes, and that's the things that went by kind of slow that you get to read. But then there were a few that were just flashes, and one of them was Illuminati 1723. <laughs> <laughs> and you just barely, like, if you if you blink, you're missing that one. Um, but then... He comes to the end and you see it's it's zooming out from all of these letters and it's a big 23 and then blood soaks like red, if not blood, but red soaks through the page and then it opens on him. He's in his he's in his um in his animal control van and the lady walks by and he meows at the lady. He meows at the dog, trying to get the dog to go off. And the dog starts barking. He's like, sorry, I'm bored. <laughs> And so, um, what is it? He oh, then you see him on a call, right? Um, there's a oh, I jumped ahead too. Um, it's him. He's like narrating this part, right? Yeah, he's so, narrating. Like so it's like, but it didn't always like. start here, and it mm. rewinds um, to December 23rd. Yeah, to uh, the Christmas party. Yeah, so he's at a at the Christmas party, and he says, "If I could," he's like, "If I could describe." If I could put anything on my headstone, it'd be what if. And so, um, what does that say? Chapter 23. Um, I just wrote stuff down in a freaking hurry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, at at this Christmas party, he's he's kind of going over like what, like talking about fate and what could happen if he changed the slightest thing, how his life had changed. And he's talking about how there was a woman who he works with who was coming on to him at the Christmas party, which is a, a common event, apparently. Um, and he kind of he fobs her off, knocks her back and refers to her um, as being a bitch and he, he's the last bitch he'd, she, he'd sleep with if he was the last man on earth, that type of a response. The whole time she's wearing red as she's coming onto him. So she's wearing red again. The high number of red in every scene from it being clothes that characters wear to props in the scene to the walls, the physical light, red is everywhere. And what it's again, we say it on this character.
0: Yep. And he pushes her off because his wife's there um, and he's married. So he's like, and, but they're playing some game or whatever. Um, and there's, he calls her a bitch, but there's bitch on the bathroom right behind him or whatever. And so, and he doesn't even want to go to the party. He didn't want to go to the party. Um, was it? Okay. So does, uh does his wife interact with their friend? In this party, that's when he they come up to the door. Is that later where he kisses him on the cheek? That's later, right?
1: I, I think that's later on. Yeah. So it goes from yeah. the Christmas party to his daily life where he's chasing. Is it a it's some kind of a, a mastiff or a pit bull, The dog, isn't it? The right. white dog.
0: Yeah. Yep. He walks through a, that Chinese yep. restaurant.
1: Yeah. He walks through a Chinese restaurant. Of course, Chinese, it's red everywhere. Um, so he chases this dog down a red set of stairs where <laughs> he ends up going after the dog and tries to catch it. And he's talking to the dog this whole time, telling a story. And it seems like the dog's actually, like, looking into him and listening to him, like the dog knows him. And as he goes to pull the harness, the dog lets loose and clamps down on his arm. And we find out this is the first time he's ever been bitten by a dog in his whole career.
0: Yeah, and there's a sign when he's coming down the stairs to his left that says, serve yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he's telling this story and he comes down. to catch the dog. And he looks on the dog's collar and sees that the dog's collar says Ned. Um, And he's telling that story and the dog's like lulled into it and he gets the thing on, but then the dog takes off, bites his arm and takes off. And the dog runs to a cemetery and goes and sits in front of a certain headstone. And on that headstone is who you had mentioned, Lori Mm -hmm. Tollins or Laura Tollins. And then like you just see that he looks confused because the dog goes away and it pans back over to her headstone and then it cuts to him walking down the street to meet his wife and this is where he's like what if what if i didn't you know i was nicer to sybil and she wouldn't have sent me on that last call then i wouldn't have chased the dog i wouldn't have gotten bit i wouldn't have been late to pick up my wife and you see him walking up to a bookstore that's called a novel fate And the address for the street that it's on is 599, which if you add five, nine and nine, you get 23.
1: 23. Yeah, I've got that too. The whole time where (laughs) Agatha, his wife, is walking with a cake for his birthday, the ribbon on the cake box is red. She's wearing a red jacket and she goes into the to find a book that's not facing spine out. It's facing cover out, which looks odd. It's at the center of all these books, a red book. And this is a book that becomes almost like a character in itself for this whole story. If you noticed, I paused it. There are 23 books on that shelf.
0: (laughs) I didn't, I knew I was, I almost paused it to see if I could figure something out in that scene. But I I was like, it's there, but I I knew I needed to get
1: going. But this is the, this is the effort they went to to make sure they incorporate 23 into everything, 23 books on the shelf, 23. Everything uh so our character agatha she picks up the book she looks at the cover of it and it says the title the number 23 and the author of the book the name listed at the bottom says top secrets now if you say top secrets quick enough or multiple times it sounds like top secrets
0: yep <laughs> yep <laughs> yep. so top secrets yep. um and uh she's apparently skimmed through the book um and he's he's questioning her about the book he's like what is this and she's like oh it's just this book i'm i'm gonna get it for you and he goes why to have some writer fill my head with nonsense (laughs) which i think is just such a great line for the very for one of his first actual lines in the movie uh delivered to his wife um it says and then you start you start hearing him narrating again or at, is it on the page? I don't remember, but it says the number 23, a novel of obsession by Topsy Kretz, an odyssey into paranoia, the most horrifying Uh Beware of the dog next door. And this is where you see him like getting intrigued. He's like, what the
1: fuck? He made a connection with his own life straight away.
0: Yeah. And he's,
1: he's so obsessed with this book from the get go that when his wife, so Agatha, and our main character, they go to a Christmas party. That's where we meet our character Isaac French, which is a friend of Agatha more than any more than he is. They go to this party, and the whole time he's obsessed with this book. There's red party hats, red balloons, not red
0: party hats. Sorry. Well, and it's and red. Don't forget and red. I think it's his birthday party. It is. Yeah, it, it's his birthday party. It's his party, and he's born the on February third.
1: Yes, so that's the twenty three there again. But i would looked a bit beyond 23 here. You look at the interactions of people are there. Right. They aren't his circle of friends. Yeah. He's a dog catcher. He's the average blue-collar worker. Everyone there at the party looked like an academic, like Isaac French. They're there playing charades and all these sorts of like, party games. And he stumbles off, walks away, and he starts reading the book. And that's when we hear the narration. If you find any similarities with the person or persons in this book, you should stop reading immediately. <laughs> As he reads this book for the first
0: time, his nose bleeds onto the page. Yeah, well, you assume so. It doesn't show. We, his ass- nose we, we would assume you see so. blood drip down onto it, and I see. I assumed it was from his cut on his arm, ah, could or be. his bite. Um, but it drips down onto the book, and that kind of gives you this this weird, you know, foreshadowing of how this is all gonna go. So let's see, blood drips on the book. He gets home. So they leave the party and they get home and he goes to open the door and his his sons on the couch with a girl like making out. And so he gets his wife to stay on the porch and they start making out a little bit. He gives his son a little time to get rid of the girl. Um and he comes in and his dad's <laughs> like, "Hey, I got you a present." He says, "I'll take bribes anytime." <laughs> <laughs> and he he got him a, a greatest dad mug. And then you hear he sits down and he's reading this book. He's getting obsessed with every moment that he has free to read this book. It's already kind of put its talons in it. He just has to start reading. It. Did and you so- catch the
1: conversation he had with the son about the girl? Yes. He says, she she seems like a really nice girl. Make sure she stays that way.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Which will come into the, to our film later on. But yep. sorry, keep going.
0: Yeah. So, um, So that's when you're introduced to the character in the book. Fingerling, and he talks about how he got that name and how it was from a book that he had read as a kid. Fingerling goes to the zoo um, and then it he there's a little bit of the narration of the book, just kind of like the intro, and then it cuts away to him at the doctor's office getting evaluated for the bite and you can tell he's kind of a playful guy he keeps making jokes with the doctor who doesn't have his his sense of humor um. And he's talking to his his therapist about his wife and how he made a mistake letting her choose the color of the ro- the living room. And at the end of it, she says, "Well, what color did he ch- did she choose?" And he says, "Red, blood red." And the next scene is him standing in front of this giant red wall, and right? it's
1: blood red number five too. Which, when you look at the the gematria breakdown of it, red equals plus the number five it ends up equaling 23
0: right <laughs> and then five is two plus three yeah <laughs> they've really they really just soaked it in in this movie like it is just everywhere in this movie
1: um what i noticed when he was reading about Fingling, he's definitely he, from the get-go he's putting himself in Fingling's shoes like he's already made that subconscious connection that he's living that life or he has lived that life or something very similar. When it flashes back to fingling and then his own flashbacks as a child, they're filmed in the exact same manner. So the same filter, the red, the characters, the way they interact with each other, it's the exact same mannerisms as that we see in the fingling when he's reading the story. Yep. So his flashbacks, it's hard at times to discern between a flashback of his own life and the story he's reading in that book.
0: Yeah. So he's, He's somehow just like automatically connected to it. Like just straight away, he gets this electric, this, this magnetism to the book. So it starts with him reading again. So the narration voice of Jim Carrey comes in. Um, and it says chapter two and it's, he starts reading it, but it says, imagine me as your friend, as your neighbor. Imagine me as you. Which I think that's when I was just like, oh, God, this is just getting creepy as fuck. I mean, he says it says, I was top of the class. I had friends, but always felt alone. I wasn't going to die here. I'm not going to be like my dad. Numbers was his life. He was an accountant. And so now you're connecting the son and father with this number. And he said he wanted to be a detective. Um, And his wife, his mom chuckled when he wanted to be a detective. His dad was disappointed. And he said it all started. Uh, with his neighbor's dog Alfie, who was always getting out and running around, and he always had to chase him and take him back home. And it shows the the house next door, who which happens to have a red door. Like there's, there's more red, um, and it's a lot of red doors in this movie. Tons of red doors. They're everywhere. Um, and the kid goes like runs up and the house the door is like open. The dog runs in, so the kid goes in to get the dog. And he finds the widow dead upstairs. Um, Did you notice so, anything
1: particular about that widow?
0: She was wearing red.
1: Yeah. And my wife also pointed out, It's sure, it was just the fashion of the time period that's supposed to be set in. But my wife said, that looks a hell of a lot like Mar- Marilyn Monroe.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, very much Like a small
1: connection. So. But my wife said, you know, could that be a connection with Marilyn Monroe and the mystery around her own death? I'm like, I don't know. It could be.
0: Good, well we'd funny. have to we'd have to start breaking Marilyn Monroe down into some gematria stuff to see if that's any 23s.
1: I bet we could find it.
0: <laughs> um so this is what like he knew he said that uh they had deemed it a suicide, but he knew it wasn't. And this is what made him want to be a detective. And then you see um you see detective, you, you this is when it becomes detective finger. Um And it flashes back to Walter reading the book and his wife walks up and says, filling your head with nonsense, huh? (laughs) Um, So this is when he starts talking to his wife of it. He's like, this guy is me. Like it it is so much like my life. Um, And he starts explaining to her the similarities of the, like how they became what they became because he had a neighbor who had a dog that got him into his career as well. Um,
1: and and he mentions that this picture storybook fingling, which his mother read to him. Yes. And his wife's like, oh, you're, you're like you're put clutching at straws here. Like that's that's a big connection to try and make. Right. And she's really trying to downplay it at this point in the film.
0: Yeah. So um, the next scene that I have written down here is when it goes back to the story and we're introduced to Fabrizia. And of course, all of the all of the characters in the story that he's narrating are characters from his life. Mm. So Fabrizio, is his wife, Fingerling, the detective, is him. You know, so you see this this mirroring in the in it the entire time.
1: Very much a Wizard of Oz, where the characters are played by the same actors play multiple characters. Yeah. yeah. Now, is this the scene where after we meet Fabrizio and he, he goes through this chapter of the, the book? He lays in bed in shock at what he's read and he's looking at the shadows on the ceiling.
0: Yes. So we um yeah, we see this scene where Fabrizia and um uh, and Fingerling have sex and you see this this tattoo on fingerling and it's like a vine of thorns and i just thought that was interesting you know it's it could just be a tribal tattoo but everything in this movie has symbolism i'd almost guarantee that if you were to count the thorns on that tattoo there'd be 23 of them and it's not a direct correlation but it could be related to the crown of thorns you know because he is this exalted character at the moment he's detective fingerling he's this this crime fighter you know this this good this good person so that could be a stretch but that's kind of what my mind went to first here's a quick connection
1: laura in greek means crowned with laurels says so he crowned by thorns
0: right after the because of laura character? yeah that could be some some deep symbolism just for nutcases like you and me <laughs> 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 so yeah this is when walter can't sleep and he starts, um, he starts seeing shadows on the ceiling. Um, and it's a person with a knife. And then you, he blinks and you assume that that kind of goes away because his face kind of goes blank and it pans over to the book. Um, and then the next day it shows him reading, like it, it goes to the next day. He's supposedly at work, but he's like at a park reading. Um, and then it clips to, it just immediately goes into the book and we start seeing that part. Now this is where we are introduced to the suicide blonde yeah chapter really, 25 right? chapter let's see i don't have the chapter written up that high but down at the bottom i know i wrote chapter down at the bottom was chapter seven right here so it had to be one of the early chapters
1: okay Yeah. Um,
0: yep. so we're introduced to the suicide blonde and he walks into this room and there's paper just covering the like there's all of the walls are covered with scraps of paper.
1: Entirely white. It's like all so bright. White. The rest the rest of the tone in these shots when we're going into the world of the book have been dark. They have a lot of blacks and reds everywhere. This is the most bright, vibrant room we've got with that suicide blonde. And naturally her hair is bright and golden. The only piece of color in that room is the red rope that's around her neck.
0: Right. Again, with the red. It's, red, everywhere. it's everywhere. Everywhere. It's everywhere too. Um <clears throat> and she starts like they start having a conversation. He's trying to talk her down. She's telling him to stay back. And he's like, "Look, just talk to me. If you don't, if you still want to kill yourself, I'll put one between your eyes. I'm a good shot." Um, and so he eventually gets her down, and they start talking about why she's why she's there. And she says it's the number twenty three. It's everywhere. Dates, times. She said pink, red, white, four letters. And this is where she starts breaking down the letters of everything. And this is where you start really realizing that it goes that deep. Um, and then it cl- it goes back to Walter as he's reading this. And he's in a park. And this is when he passes the, the stairs to heaven. You see a yes. little placard and it says stairs to heaven mm-hmm. right below where he's walking.
1: And he's walking down the stairs, too. He's not going up the stairs to heaven. He's walking down the stairs. Mm. Almost like foreshadowing his descent into hell or into madness.
0: Yeah. And so, um, let's see, reads in the stairs. Um, I see woman in red and the, the his uncle story. So it starts telling a, a story about his uncle. So why don't you pick up here? My mouth is getting a little dry.
1: Yeah. So he's speaking about, so he keeps relaying his stories of his own life and interweaving them into the stories of this book. So he's talking about the story of his uncle. Um, like you said, he's been speaking to the suicide blonde who reduced absolutely everything to 23. So this starts playing on his mind. Um, <clears throat> I don't actually recall anything that massively jumped out about the story with the uncle. The next thing I had noted down was he's gone home and he asks his wife, like he's starting to see 23 everywhere, and he asks his wife why she chose the specific colour of paint on the wall. and it becomes that, like we said, red, ends up becoming 23, and he points that out to his wife. And his obsession right. with it becomes to the point where she says, you know what, you should go speak to Isaac. Like, Isaac's a really smart guy. He's a lecturer. He's a university teacher. Go speak to Isaac. He goes to this university, standing outside the door, looking through the window, and we see Isaac speaking about all energy and Wilhelm Reich. Right. <laughs> and he just sc- cuts it off there. Stop. He starts speaking about all-grown energy um, it was a box developed by Wilhelm Reich, but we'll talk about that next week. And then he, like, ushers for our main character to walk in. And he yeah. starts getting starts talking. He asks him, like, 23, it's popping up everywhere. Am I nuts? What what, what am I saying? And he tries to put him at ease by telling him, like, 23, it, it, like, it is everywhere. The world spins at an axis of 23 degrees. 23 is a very good game of paranoia. Blood takes 23 seconds to circulate the human body. We have 46 chromosomes in the human body, 23 from each parent. And as he's listening to this conversation with Isaac and his examples of how 23 can be everywhere, not that it means anything, he's kind of not paying attention now. He looks out the window and he sees a car park and the car park number is 23. At this point, we hear Isaac saying, this magical thinking is non-scientific thinking. It's nonsense.
0: Right, yeah. It's magical thinking. Um, What led up to this, I'm I'm reading back on my notes, what led up to him meeting with Isaac is his wife finds him on the couch, having fallen asleep reading the book, and his arm is up and he's got stuff on his arm. And what you see on his forearm is um, 9-11-2001, which... (laughs) adds up to 23 and then you see her name at his wrist it says agatha and it's crossed out and right below that is (laughs) kill her right on his wrist so she covers him up with a blanket and immediately calls isaac um at least you assume she picks up the phone and calls um and talks to isaac um and that's when he goes to see isaac and isaac already knows about Number like his his ease into being able to just spew a bunch of facts about 23 i think is you know if you're paying attention it's like man that seems a little sketchy this dude's already just like oh yeah fucking 23 and like just starts <laughs> spewing all this shit about 23 um and then yeah so walter's looking outside he sees a parking spot with 23 on it and then you hear isaac say you know the book of revelations had 22 books and you saw how that turned out um he said there's people that still take delight in perpetuating the numbers infamy uh he said people only pray because they believe god will will answer them. he says this is magical thinking that's when he's that's when he says magical thinking um and that scene kind of ends and it goes directly to a mirrored um image of that where detective Fingerling. Is talking to a shrimp, and it's the same characters that were just in that last scene. You know, you have Fingerling, who's Jim Carrey, and then you have uh, you have Doctor Miles Phoenix, who is Jim Carrey's friend Isaac French,
1: and he's wearing a red tie. And the
0: Phoenix is a bird that rose from the ashes, depicted as red. Yes, and there's a painting behind him that is uh, a city on fire, which I think is pretty interesting. So you see these flames behind his head. and this dude tells Fingerling you need to take some time off you need to you need to chill shit's getting crazy so you need to just not do anything and so fingerling goes home and he he's talking to Fabrizia who's this wild person that likes to live dangerously you know they they role play with knives and shit and so he walks in and she's like so you're not a detective anymore and he's like but well, I still have these. And he holds up the handcuffs and she's like, why don't you get rest?" And she leaves. She blows him off. And this, um, this kind of starts fucking with him, that he gets blown off. Um, so you see, um, I think this is the part where um, you see that Jim Carrey wakes up in the character of Walter. And he sees that his wife's doors open. wife's closet store open and he opens the door and starts counting shoes he starts starts counting her shoes and it's it's mirrored in the in the story of of 23
1: is the number 23 as well as our detective starts counting the dresses and the shoes and ironically the wardrobe the inside of it is painted red as well red again for the millionth Mm -hmm. time and this is where he's not only been blown off by his love interest who's no longer interested in because he's not dangerous or exciting He's starting he as a character is starting to see 23 everywhere. And that's where the counting starts to begin. And this is what drives her insane for the, the puts her over the edge is that he's starting to throw her shit out, like gets rid of her shoes.
0: Yeah. So um the number 23 is jumped from the suicide blonde to fingerling, and now he's obsessed with it. Um and he's looking for it everywhere. And you see this scene uh where he's in. I don't know where he's in maybe he's in the police station there's a black and white floor i saw a lot of black and white checkered in this movie as well which is interesting because you have black red and then red and white checkered um and then uh fingerling imagines throwing the um the dude out the window because he thinks that the the shrink is messing around with with fabrizia After
1: after he suggests maybe i should go check in on fabrizia yeah, and he starts making these connections in his own mind that they're fooling around together.
0: Yeah, and then there's this um, this moment where that doctor says he should talk to Fabrizia, and then it clips over to Isaac French saying maybe I should go talk to Agatha, and he's got a red tie on also. And this is where Walter is seeing twenty three just everywhere he looks, um, and he he goes to his wife's store her cake store and it's closed he can't get in and his wife and Isaac are talking and so this is when like his mind really starts playing tricks on him at this point in time because he's he's jealous and mad and he's dealing with this book that's mirroring his life and and also opening his eyes to the number 23 everywhere (laughs) so he's he's being pulled in these numerous directions I mean the mental Um, aspect of this movie like what's going on inside of this character's head is pretty intense and this is the
1: point where it goes to the story of the detective out of his jealous rage stabs and kills Fabrizia right and at the same time in the real world we see our main character looking at a sign for a set of knives and the price of the knives is $32 which is reversed as 23
0: yep (laughs) um and so you see where um it goes to back to the fantasy to the book and you see um somebody having sex and there's a red scarf around the woman's neck um and it goes and walter wakes up and it's eleven twenty-three, 23 um, and he's got blood on his hand and he's like what the shit!" like he goes downstairs and he realizes he has blood on his hand and he tries to wash it off and he sees a knife with blood on it uh, or a knife is missing and he goes back upstairs and he pulls the sheets back and his wife is just got stab wounds across her chest. And then he wakes up and he rolls over both of these times where he thinks he wakes up and he rolls over and looks at the clock and it's 11, 12. Like they just put the, like, they put it everywhere. And so like you, you start looking for it as well. Um, because it's, he gets in his car and he drives off, right? He leaves a note, he realizes he's going crazy, and maybe his wife is in danger. So you see him get up, you hear the door shut, and he leaves. Well, you Uh, know, his license plate for his car, I gotta go back to this other page, Um, but his license plate on his car is 9068TC. Well, if you add the numbers up on his license plate, it's 23.
1: At the note you were just speaking of. So he leaves a note for his wife, Agatha, and it says, Ag, I don't want you to be worried. I just need one night to clear my head. Please don't give up on me. Literally 23 words in his note. That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so crazy.
1: So he's, he's now driving up to the King Edward Hotel. Right. where He's going to get away for the night. On the sign, in the, the illuminated sign, the O and the T have blinked out. They're no longer working. So it literally says, King Edward, Hal. Not hotel anymore, King Edward, hell. So that's another linking back to, like he's going down the stairs, his descent into hell and madness. He's literally going to the hotel of hell now.
0: Yep. Um, And then we see white and black checkered floors again with pillars. Um, And he asks for room 23. And you see this dude in like a wheelchair with this red birthmark on his face, again, more red, Mm -hmm. spins around like he has heard this before and you kind of play it off at first. You're just like, okay, that's something, but I guess we'll see where that goes, like because it doesn't immediately play out. Um there's a then, shot where he,
1: hand, he grabs the key from the rack, the frame t- 23k, the serial numbers that are listed on
0: that key add up to 23 also. Yeah, uh, I saw the numbers and was just like <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> there it is. Um and then you see a red door to his room. His room has a red door. Um and then it, as soon as he gets into his room, it cuts back to the fantasy and um, you see that the doctor has a knife um, in his hand. He's walking through a red door into Fabrizia's room and he's got a knife in his hand, but he pulls back the sheets and she's already been stabbed and he gets arrested. Um, and then you see Fingerling on on a ledge, you assume to commit suicide. And the narration's going on, and he's just like, is this taking over? And, and then it goes back to real life. And this is and where, to, where Walter sees the dog outside, that yes, same but, dog, Ned.
1: The, and the most important part is he's finished the book now. That was the last chapter of the book. It finished it after 22 chapters and abruptly ends. And he says to himself, the number had ended fingling right. and it was now coming after me.
0: Yeah, because you assume Fingerland jumped off the ledge. Yeah, the you would assume. Ends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Walt chases the Walt sees the dog again, and he chases the dog to the cemetery again, and he's able to tranquilize the dog in the same place where he's sitting in front of Laura Tallin's headstone. Um, and it use this is where you see uh, Laura's gravestone, and she died on the twenty third
1: on her 23rd birthday
0: on her 23rd oh on her 23rd birthday that's what it was yeah I, I skipped lines there um and then oh and he's talking to the the gravekeepers, right and talking about who killed him and that's where they they tell him Kyle Flint, Flint Finch or flinch um is the guy that killed her and this is where they describe Ned the dog like he's he's talking to him about this story like what the heck's going on with this with this dog and he's like oh that's ned and he's his name literally means guardian of the dead yeah
1: guardian of the dead yeah
0: and it also adds up to 23. it does (laughs) um so after these these cemetery employees tell walter who killed laura Tollins, he goes to visit him in jail And the first thing you hear Kyle Finch say is he says, you're two days early. Um, And so Walter's Walter thinks this is the dude. This is, this is top secrets. He's the one that wrote the book. He's linking this real story to of Lori, Laura Tollins to, to the book. And he's trying to figure it all out. If we back up just one small bit, before he goes off to make Kyle
1: Finch, that's Okay. He's having a conversation with his wife and his son, Robin Sparrow. His son means he's double bird and double sparrows is like a sign of hope um, and happiness. His son's like backing him all the way. Like, what are all these 23s in your name and everything? What's it all about? It all can't be a coincidence, Dad. In fact, throughout the entire movie, there's 23 coincidences. (laughs) So this, this spurs him, like you said, to go and visit Kyle Flinch, who he's certain is the author of this book. So he's trying to have some... Some understanding about what's going on and and some ending to it all. So he goes to visit Carl Flinch.
0: Yeah, and so um, when he starts telling him, he he says, "I know who you are, Topsy Kretz," and slams the book on the on the cell. And this dude has no idea what he's talking about. This guy clearly is like, dude, I don't, I don't know. He said, "If I wrote that book, I'd come up with a better name than Topsy Kretz." <clears throat> uh,
1: he says, "He says I didn't kill Laura. I love to." I didn't write a book about a number. I'm in prison for a crime I didn't commit. I think my problems are a little bit bigger than yours.
0: (laughs) No. What do you see? He says it the other way around. He said, Oh, he does. Somehow he said, and somehow I think your problems are bigger than mine. The mine. Yes, that's right. Sorry. He's in jail for this. And he, he sees acting so insane. Well, he he sees how tormented he is by all of this. Um, uh, And he, you know, so, Uh, let's see the problem is bigger than mine. So, um, this is where he calls home, right? And he's talking to his son and his son says, Hey, I've, I've read the book. So his son has gotten, so his son read the whole book too. And that's why his son is kind of on this journey with him is it didn't connect with him the same way. That's why you don't see his son going crazy is because it didn't connect with him the same way, but he still sees the patterns. And so his son said, Hey, I know how you can find him. I found an address and the address is peel box 977 which if you add 977 it's 23 23
1: and and just before all this happens his wife is saying well you found him you know who the guy is is it over with and he says no he's innocent And he flashes up a piece of paper and it has the guy's name written out and his name only adds up to 17 and he says he's innocent
0: Yeah, and his wife's just like fuck it's still going. (laughs) (laughs) You crazy asshole. So him and his son decide to mail 23 giant ass boxes of foam peanuts to this P.O. box to see who would come and get them. And they're sitting outside of the post office, and this man with an overcoat comes up and and so they approach him in the post office and he says. What does he say to him? He says, like... Uh, Games over, Top Secrets. Games over, Top Secrets.
1: Yeah, you did it. You did it, didn't you? And this guy looks unhinged. He's freaking out. He saw that all those 23 boxes had arrived. He gets into a tussle with him. And what ends up happening is he's got the box cutter and he's slashing at at a
0: main character like he's going nuts. He ends up slitting his own throat. And as Before he does that, he says... When he when he wrestles him to the ground, he says, you should be dead. Yeah, you should be dead. And that's when he just goes.
1: At which point his wife, Agatha, jumps in. Like she, We assume that she's she has some kind of background. She's holding his neck, trying to stem the bleeding. And this is when our character looks up at him and says, go to the Nathaniel Institute. And she pulls out his ID. And on his ID, it says, Dr. Um, Nathaniel Institute. And she looks down at his arm and he has 23 written all over his arm and hands. So he's also descended into madness because of this number 23. And this doctor's name, which I've got here. Let me find it. You keep going and I'll find this.
0: Yeah. So um, his name, which we, I think we said earlier. Yes. We said at the start. Yeah. Dr. Sirius Leary. Yes. That's it. He is of, he works at the insane asylum. um, And I started scribbling.
1: (laughs) So, yeah. So, this is the way I linked it together, right? So, serious Leary, dog star Leary means to beware. So, beware the dog if we reverse it, which is an obvious reference to Ned being attacked by the dog, Ned, attacking our main character at the start of the film.
0: Yeah. So, you see, you see, um, Agatha, she goes like, (laughs) like, so, um, Walt and his son, they leave and they go home. But Agatha is like, hey, I'll take care of this dead body dude. And she goes to where he said to go um, and she gets into his office and starts reading through files and looking for things. And at the same time, you see uh, Walt and his son just feverishly going through the book in circling words.
1: It's circling every twenty third word on every twenty third page to try and find a message, right? And the message that comes out of it is go to Casanova Park, which is where we saw those stairs at the start, the stairway to heaven,
0: the stairs to heaven. Yeah. Um, and when in Leary's office, Agatha's finding twenty three every everywhere, and Scribbled she everywhere. goes she goes into this one room and she sees a blanket on like a like a footlocker, and she pulls the blanket off, and it says Sparrow William. Case 85307, which if you add eight five three oh seven together, twenty three, you get twenty (laughs) three.
1: And and you note that the
0: light bulb in that room is red for that whole scene. Yeah. Yes. And so she's looking at this case, she just sees her husband's name, and then she sees a figure that and she turns around and there's somebody there, and you hear her go. But then she relaxes, but then like you can see that she she like is it's just momentary. And she's and out a she sense of sense of Yes. She knows so the it, person. You know it's somebody that she knows right there.
1: Um uh, then at this point we have Sparrow and Robin. So Walter and Robin, they're at Casanova Park and they're at the top of the stairs. And he turns to his son and he says, What's the bet? There's the son stops and stares at Walter and says, What's the bet? There's 23 steps on the way down.
0: Yep. And so they and- they go to the 23rd step and they start digging. Um, in the stairway to heaven <laughs> <laughs> at the bottom of the stairs while digging, they
1: uncover a human skull.
0: Yep. Um, and you see right at the end where um, him and his son are like, shit, we got to get out of here. Like they're going to, they, they're like, we got to go fucking find somebody. And you see it kind of go to the bushes where it's like somebody's watching. And as soon as they go off, you see that the person in the bushes kind of come around and then it cuts scene. And so you assume there was somebody there watching what they were doing. So Uh, they're
1: frantically getting out there on the highway and he's running towards a a call box on the side of the road, which has a red light on top of it. They call the police. And when the police arrive, he turns and asks, is this some kind of a joke? There's nothing here. And the camera pans down. It's an empty grave. Now there's nothing there. It's a completely dug out gone.
0: Yeah. So the cop just kind of dismisses it and starts walking off and he's like he goes he says into the into the walkie-talkie he says 1023 as he's walking off and then you see a red jaguar pull up and it's Isaac with his wife and the first three numbers of the license plate of the jaguar is oh two three on a red jaguar. Um so, so at,
1: at this point Agatha gets in the car with her husband and son. And the husband and son, they're deep dived into this now. They're so far down the rabbit hole. They have to get out the other side, right? They're talking about it, saying the killer's got to be out there. And Agatha loses it. She snaps. Everyone stop. 23 is just a number. There's no magic to it. Only people can give it that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So she's trying to shut this shit down. She's kind of figured out what's going on. And she's just like, "Uh uh-uh, this has to stop right now. Um, And then Walter turns. And the dog is standing in the road. Ned, who we've seen multiple times in this movie, is standing in the middle of the road. And so he's hes like, Ned is going to be dead. And he stomps on it and hauls ass towards the dog. The dog doesn't move. dog just sits there. And he stops short, comes right up to the bumper with the dog and his wife is so scared she reaches over and grabs his arm and he looks down and he sees dirt in her nails and he knows that she was the one in the bushes that took the skull
1: and we jump forward to back The movie is
0: so good like it is like i haven't seen it in so long and it was just so good it goes so deep i didn't remember much about it and it just like i didn't know where it was going the whole time so
1: yeah i I remember it as a psychological thriller but they make, definitely make you jump through hoops and yeah. what's happening in this film. We jump forward to they're at home and he's put all the pieces together now. He assumes that his wife is the writer of the book. She wrote it and he confronts her and he starts
0: off with, has this been 13 years of lies? Yeah, because her last name is Pink and he starts yeah. breaking down her <laughs> last name. <laughs> and
1: and he's, he's like, he references that Pink is the name of the suicide blonde.
0: Yes, that's her name in the book. That's her name too. And he's he says you wrote it, and he dumps the purse out, and there's a knife in the purse. And so he starts he starts yelling at her like, "You need to tell the truth. You need to tell me this was you. You wrote this." And she said, "No, you wrote it, Walter." And it just <laughs> destroys everything you thought was happening. And she's just like, "Fuck!"
1: And, and this is the point where she's. He's still not buying it and she actively has to give him things to show him that he's the person who wrote the book all along. She hands him a saxophone, which immediately gives him flashbacks. You see flashbacks all through the screen of his girlfriend. He starts having this mental breakdown. She starts showing him detective comics that are in there. And every single female character that's on these detective comics are the characters depicted in
0: that book when he's reading it. Yeah. And if you looked in the top left corner in this scene, There's a red coat hanger, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, he, and so he starts freaking out um, and Walt runs. He takes off running. He runs away and he runs to the King Edward hotel and goes to room 23. And he starts ripping the paper off of the walls while these, these flashbacks are happening and shaky camera angles. Yeah. You start seeing it kind of, get really blurry and he's ripping all of the wallpaper off uh and he finds chapter 20 of the and so
1: and so he starts reading and we we start to hear and we see the flashbacks of how it all started so the flashback of his father committing suicide um and he didn't leave a note for anyone his father just shot himself just a number 23 so his father had that same issue with the number 23 it wasn't a suicide note it was just 23 written down when and he said earlier his-
0: that numbers and- were his dad's life. Yes.
1: And he this is where he meets Laura for the first time in college. So the esoteric belief in the number 23 doesn't give it power. My father's number had come back to hang me out.
0: Yep. Um, and you see that they have um him and Laura have a very passionate relationship, just like Fingerling did. And they're pretending to have a knife, you know, she's very much needs the excitement. And yep, then she's he, he looks it shows another view of him looking in a classroom, and a teacher is talking to Laura, and she like caresses his hand and looks directly at Walter. And so then um, Walter's in the park, and he's standing by the steps to heaven, and the date on it is June 9th, 1931, which if you add those numbers together, you get... 23 <laughs> and he sees oh. Laura cheating.
1: Um. And this is where he thinks the number had come to get him now because his life was going so well. He'd met Laura right. and now Laura is starting to have this relationship with a lecturer or a university teacher who's for some reason was teaching esoteric knowledge to the class during that scene. <laughs> so the numbers come out for, coming for him now. So he's frantically circling every 23rd letter on a note that she left for him. She dumped him, left his shit on the front doorstep and he's frantically, just like earlier in the film, circling every 23rd letter on the note. And the note that comes out of it is, kill her.
0: Kill her. Um, and so he confronts her for cheating. And she said, I never loved you. Nobody can love you. Um, and she actually cuts his, his wrist. She has the knife and she cuts his wrist. But what sends him over
1: the edge is, how could I ever love you? You're as pathetic as, just like your father. And that's when he snaps.
0: That's when he snaps and kills her. Um, and this is when he goes to room 23 at the hotel. Cause he, he takes off, he kills her and runs and leaves the knife and everything. And that's when uh, the guy that was in jail, what was his name? I got it somewhere. Kyle, Kyle what? flinch. Um, that's when Kyle flinch comes in, finds her dead, picks up the knife and clearly he gets basically framed for the murder. Well, they
1: never actually found the body. What he did was he took her body and buried her at the 23rd right. step. All that was left in the room was the knife and the bloody sheets. The but really interesting enough, thing is
0: enough to yeah, get him for murder. It was murder, enough right? to get him for murder. So the you see him part, getting arrested.
1: The timestamp for this scene where he's burying her at that 23rd step is one is one hour and 22 minutes.
0: <laughs> one, add two, add
1: two, 23. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm now mad at myself for not looking at timestamps. Uh, uh, so um, which leads
1: us to he goes back to the hotel and he's narrating what's happened and he essentially tells us what was supposed to be his suicide note became the story. His manifesto right. of madness
0: and delusions becomes well, the story. Who gives him the key to the room when he runs to the hotel? Because this is an earlier part of the story, is the guy with the red face. He hands him the key. And that's why he knew because he asked for key key number twenty three this time too. Um, and so he went to that room um, and he start he starts writing frantically all over the walls. And he writes the entire book on the walls with chapter twenty three. He also writes it in paper. Um, so he he gets done with the book and he just runs and jumps out the window. Now, you have to assume, it's only the second story, and that's why he lives, because he just hits his head and, like, fucks his arm up. Um, And he yeah, So what
1: happens is he's attempted suicide, right? So clearly he's got yeah. a few screws loose. They take him to a rehabilitation centre, where it's the same place that the crazy doctor worked at, Yeah. The, Nathan- the Nathaniel Institute. And Nathaniel means gift of God. Oh, shit. So he's given a new, a new <laughs> gift of life, a new lease, He's forgot everything that's happened because of the brain damage. So he's given a new lease on life. Yep. And as he leaves after his rehabilitation, he learns to walk again, talk, all that type of stuff. He literally bumps into Agatha
0: carrying a pink box. right? And her surname is Pink. You see, he's at this, this Nathaniel, or Nathaniel institution, right? Shoot. And there's two doctors that are letting him out. And they're talking outside of his room. Well, one of those doctors that's talking is the doctor it's it's, it's that doctor it's doc, that, that Dr that Leary him. yeah it's Dr Leary that killed himself seriously and the other doctor hands Leary
1: the, he says can I have the, the book, book. And he, yeah and we can say that's his descent into man as he wants the book and he gets it
0: yeah um and then as he's leaving he runs into Agatha who's carrying a cake yes uh with did it have a red bow around this one it was white and pink white and pink
1: yeah, but this was a noticeably brighter shot than the rest of the film too.
0: Right. Um, and then this is where it it cuts back to present. And they're talking and she said, the book found me. She says that. She's like, she said, I didn't find the book. The book found me. Um, and he starts saying, look, there's, a, there's an innocent man in jail. I have to make this right. Like I like I I killed somebody. Like I can't do this. And she's like she's pleading with him. Like you have a kid. Like you can't you can't do this. Like you you've got to be here for your family. Like your son and would be devastated.
1: And she screams, "I love you!" And he turns and as he's running says, "That's impossible. Nobody can love me." And he runs out onto the street, stands in the middle of the road as this bus comes hurling toward him with the bus number twenty three on it. He's the so second time we see bus twenty three Se- in the movie. Second moon. time. Yeah about to mow him down. The only thing that stops him is when his son, Robin, screams out, Dad. And he, as he turns, he just misses the bus. And that's when we hear the, the dialogue of fate and things don't just happen for reasons. reason. It's the small things. And it's the small thing of his son, who represents hope being two sparrows or two birds, that saved him. And he says to himself, it's just a number, as he hugs his family. It's just a number. And we have the dialogue of, Walter saying, 13 years ago I made the wrong choice and I need to make up for it, but not just for myself or for my sake, for everyone else. And this is when we see our wrongly accused man free from prison at the funeral for his girlfriend or for yeah, you the assume they, they Since
0: they life. found the body, they're do- having another funeral um, and you see the boyfriend just got out of jail. He's at the funeral and there's a lady with a red dress at in the funeral party like right there it's the same one from the very beginning with the dog he was meowing at it was that same coat yep and ned is there as also the guardian angel of the story ned sitting there
1: yep uh this whole film was just amazing it's a great quote that walter says throughout of it there's no such thing as destiny there are only different choices some choices are easy some aren't Those are the really important ones, the ones that define us as people. And that's when he looks at the clock while narrating. Of course, course time is just a counting system, numbers with meaning attached to them. And the clock at that point is a quarter past two. So the hands are on two and three. They're 23.
0: (laughs) Yep. And then we see a Bible verse. The closing scene is a Bible verse, and it's numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sin will find you out. which. I, I'm gonna have to look it up later. I wanna know what numbers twenty three twenty three is. Mm. Like, why would they have not used that one? Um and then the movie closes. It's over, it's done. He went to jail. He talked like the last you hear of him is talking about parole and then life will go on.
1: He has hope for parole. Yeah. And he only has hope because his son's there He's a symbol of hope
0: Yeah, the last scene of them is him with his family, family In a in a visiting area
1: So this just leaves us as viewers And I'm sure a lot of people had it Was this just, was it a curse number? Was it all real along? Or is it just the psychotic ramblings of a madman Put into a film? Right. That's what this film has done for the viewers It's thrown the idea of Gematria Into the mainstream To make
0: people look for it and think for it Exactly. It's the overarching message in this movie is if you look for some patterns, if you look for something, you're gonna find it and it can drive you fucking crazy. So knock it off.
1: <laughs> and and we see it every day. How often do you buy a brand new car or when you bought when you yeah. bought a car, you see them everywhere.
0: Yeah, all of a sudden you see them all over the place.
1: Like like in my case, I have a 65 Ford Falcon. There's only 300 in the country. As soon as I bought it, I saw about 5 in my local town. <laughs> yeah they're everywhere now. Yeah.
0: yeah they're everywhere um and that's it's just you're gonna find it if you dig I mean look I could do it too the first numbers on this book are 2021 <laughs> Add them together like I, I've, I've started you know while I was doing this while I was looking at this and a couple minutes between you know you could just you can make it all do whatever you want like and that's, that's the message here is that just knock it off because you're going to yeah. you're gonna see the patterns that you want to see and it's going to lead you down a bad path. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a murderous path, but you're not growing your own fucking food if you're chasing fucking gematria all day.
1: Exactly <laughs> right. And I, I found this impacted my own life. I was teaching in a classroom because one of our classroom teachers was sick and I had to step in just to help out, right? And I was teaching some math to year sixes. And even the terminology around numbers is linked back to like spell magic. When you're writing down an equation in Australia, we call it a number sentence. So there's mm-hmm. spelling in numbers as well. And of course. I stopped and I thought about it and I gone wait a minute, I'm thinking too much about this. It's infected my mind now. So it happens to everyone, but you need to be cognizant and, and know what they're trying to do. Yeah, Live I'm your in- life, plant some, some food, have a family, do the right thing.
0: Well, the Suicide Blonde, I've got to find my note for it. Suicide Blonde says, like, it's in everything. It's in it's in names. It's in dates. It's in time. It's in it's in colors. Like, it's yes, in everything. Says,
1: this fucking number, it's ruling my life. And how often do we see people within the conspiracy community narrow down on one thing, and that's where they lose it?
0: Mm-hmm. And they, they, they just, just stay so on them. that.
1: They stay okay. on that.
0: Uh, and then and they like don't let said, anything else in. Like if no, you no, try like, to talk to some deep dive freaking Tartaria people oh, about I was just about to uh, mention that about flat Earth, they're going to think
1: you're crazy. It's it's almost like the the Bigfoot and the alien people. Yeah, it's no Bigfoot's real, aliens nah, they can't be real. Or no, aliens real. You're talking about an ape in the forest? No, that's not real. That can't be real. Yeah, people pick out the things they want and analyze the
0: things they want. Well, it's, it we have very limited brain space so we can only really hyper focus on one thing at a time and so and if you can get real stuck you can get real stuck. i mean i've gotten stuck in so many damn rabbit holes that's why i don't want to go down them anymore like i'm done like i'm i'm like you know i'm like walter sparrow at the end of this like it's just nonsense it's just nonsense like like who cares Like I need to learn how to slaughter a pig and, you know, I need to grow my own food and, you know, be ready for shit to hit the fan. I need to be able to support my family no matter what happens in the world. And that's that's where our focus is supposed to be. And they just put all these little shits out there for us to chase. It's all for us to chase. I mean, all of it. I think Tartaria, it's interesting, but it's like, who cares? Like, I mean, I I, I like some of the stuff with Tartaria because it's about the energy of the world, right? Um, But other than just like looking at the, you know, the architecture, you know, and kind of going too deep over the architecture other than the overall meaning of all of it. You know, that's, it's the minutia. Oh, shit. Hold on. There was something that uh, his wife says about minutia that I don't think I got to say that I think was... That was pretty good about it. Um. Well, while you're finding that, it's
1: it's the same thing with research. Like, there's so many great people who make amazing shows and they're really interesting within our community. But how do we know that the history is right in any aspect? <laughs> All we're doing is we're making assumptions. And as you know, if you make an assumption, you make an ass out of yourself. And that's the red herring that this film is. The film is blatantly throwing in our face. We're putting red herrings out there for you to notice that pattern recognition which humans are good at to distract you from those important things.
0: Yep, that that's all it is. I mean, the world's an energy vampire, and if you let it, it'll suck all your damn energy away. Yeah. Billy yeah, yeah, Corgan this scene- was right all along. <laughs> don't, don't get me started on Billy Corgan. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's the scene where they come in and Walter's writing on their home wall, and he's like, look, it's my name, it's my date of birth, it's my driver's license, my social security. He said, I was born at 11, 12 p.m. Um, and she said, uh, you've concerned yourself with minutia and drawn wild conclusions from them. And I think that line is so good. Like it's so relevant to our sphere of of people where, you know, they just start nitpicking tiny little fucking things. And it's like you're missing the forest for the trees. Like you you're missing the overall picture, which is what actually matters. You know, um, but that was a line I i, I think I blew I, my notes are just when I write notes for these movies and stuff, I don't write in my normal handwriting. Like I'm trying to write quickly <laughs> and, and small so I don't take up 17 pages and it gets real sloppy. <laughs> I probably just <laughs> couldn't read it and was like, fuck it. But I think the first part of it is very apparent. Like we we get too concerned with the minutia instead of the big picture and the big picture is you know freedom independence the get out from underneath the immediate tyrannical system and start you know that that did all of this shit that we're investigating that put all these damn numbers out that you know deleted history and screwed everything up get out from that system start over who cares we can we can break out of the system we just have to turn we just have to realize that it's just a number imagine
1: what we're capable of as human beings if we weren't connected to everything that's going on
0: oh dude like i I know
1: you've said in the past you think humans have the ability to fly yes i i think that we have the ability to do all sorts of wonderful things like you look at Mm -hmm. stories of demigods and even in modern times it's marvel and the x-men and things like that that doesn't come from nowhere that's just not simply made up. There right. might be some scaric truth to it. We don't know. And the control mechanisms that are in place, society, laws, everything that governs our lives, I think those are the things that are holding us back.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's it's the stuff that we get distracted by. It's the food we eat, the water we drink. Like, it's all an attack. It's all an attack on us, um, every bit of it. You know, the the narrative they give us, to the water we drink and the air we breathe it's all part of them stifling what we are which we are these high energy beings that should be living in harmony with each other and nature that's what that's how we were created that's how we were intended to live and that's why when you go into really rural areas you know they've through all these nonsense movies and and tv shows and everything they've always painted like rural people as the crazy ones right like there's all sorts of horror movies about rural people i mean we have uh movies like um oh i'm drawing a blank for deliverance where it's like mountain people are insane when you go out to the mountains or to rural areas man those are some of the happiest people because they ain't connected to the bullshit they don't have this negative energy that's constantly around us that frankly we keep feeding i mean it's it's our it's us that keeps feeding this fucking monster and we need to just get out from underneath it talk to your friends about fucking crazy movies and you know leave it at that and then go freaking water your tomatoes you know like it's okay to need a break it's okay to you know to like this kind of entertainment of going down these rabbit holes. Just don't fucking focus on it too much. You'll get lost. No, and what we're
1: doing is perfect. We're looking at things that that are entertainment. Sure, we're looking a little bit deeper, but we're not spending weeks and months and our whole lives on it. No. We're We're not having a podcast set purely just for one film and that's all we're going to talk about forever is
0: (laughs) well that's 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 basically (laughs) what it is we could but we won't yeah that's that is a good um analogy is a podcast that's a, a movie podcast about one movie and that's that's it it never transitions away from that fucking movie and it's like man how deep can you go on a single fucking movie like, like, you could, sure, like, you could pick any movie and find patterns in it and go real deep. Um but- It's the
1: sad part that I was listening to a podcast, and I won't name them because it's not, not a slide at them at all, but they were talking about a topic and referencing an event that I've heard on that podcast at least 30 times already. Yeah. And I'm, I had to look to see if it was an episode I've already listened to, and I thought, this is a brand new episode. Like, you're starting to just rehash the same thing again and again. Yeah, and that's what what you and other people are doing so well now. Sure, we might be conspiracy minded and like that stuff and find it interesting, but you have to break out of the abnorm and do things that make you happy in life. Yeah. Otherwise, man. you're stuck in that rabbit hole.
0: I love and talking about flat Earth,
1: but I'm just kind of tired of it. And when you're stuck in the rabbit hole, that's when the ferret's going to get you.
0: <laughs> yeah. The ferret is the government. Yeah, yeah. That's when uh, that's when Bill Murray is going to fucking put some dynamite down there and there and blow you <laughs> up. Um, is when you're in the rabbit hole. So, um, yeah, man, like I, there's lots of shit I love talking about, but I'm just done. Like I'm done doing stuff. I've got a normie friend of mine that knows that I'm, you know, kind of down a bunch of rabbit holes and he kind of chuckles when I'll bring stuff up. Um, and he's at the point, he's like, dude, I don't care. And he's like, so what? We didn't go to the moon and the earth is flat. I don't give a shit. He's like, I don't fucking care. Um, he doesn't care to talk about it or anything, but, um, you know, I tell him, like, dude, we just gotta we gotta focus on the right shit. That's all it's about. You know, this stuff's fun, but like it's okay to just be like, who cares? It's okay to say who cares, <laughs> like, like it doesn't matter. It's not unless you're making I mean, if you're making money off of it, you know, like people like Flat Earth Dave, um, and he's actually progressing all of his stuff, like he keeps moving forward, so that's awesome. And he makes money doing it. Um, but you know if you're just some dude speaking into a microphone, you know, maybe maybe don't always talk about mud floods and Tartaria. Um, you know, switch to fucking Bigfoot and aliens and you know Antarctica and you know switch it up because it gets boring. Like I'm so sick of freaking conspiracy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so I'm so over it, man. Like it, it, except in kind of this kind of kind of thing. That's why like I'm I'm changing my podcast almost completely where I just want to have fun. And that's and, and, and that's why
1: we're seeing such a big shift within our circles of people going to that homesteading and self-sufficiency route of things. Yeah. There's always something you can learn.
0: Always. Always. I,
1: I could I could listen to a, a podcast for, a, from Adam and Chad X, right? And Deborah. And I could hear about their intro, what's happening on their farms. And I could sit and I think, well, geez, that's not going to work in my current climate and my weather at the time of year. But, if I put that in my memory bank, I can attempt something like that when I'm in season yep. and I can play it myself. Yeah. Sharing yep. how to make uh, recipes of kvass and k- kombucha, all those types of things. Those are things that we're sharing with each other and we're actually getting something from it. It's right. tangible. It's real. We're not just sitting in a dark little room, frantically scribbling all over the walls.
0: That's where, that's where, that's where they <laughs> went. us there, to be. We've been there though. Like, like we ha- I've, we I've have been. been, I have been there. <laughs> I have been in those, those rooms with shit on the walls. Um, but I'm just at the point, like, if I'm going to consume a podcast, I want to get something out. of, it. You know, I want it to benefit me. And I told my son tonight, um, he was coming in asking for some stupid game on the Xbox or, or on his iPad or some shit. And I said, look, man, um, anytime you pick a game to play or on your iPad or whatever, you need to be getting something out of it. And I said, now it can just be a game and not really educational or anything, and you're still getting hand-eye coordination. So if you just want to play some nonsense for a little bit, you know, just make sure that you acknowledge what you're getting out of it. And then you didn't just waste your time. You're like, hey, I just worked on my hand-eye coordination. I, you know, I was faster this time or whatever. I said, you need to get something out of all of your actions. And that's how you end up getting to where no, you don't have to rely on anybody else. You just start gaining knowledge and skills, and then you don't have to rely on any, um, And that's what I try to teach my kids. It's like the most important thing is not relying on. That's the most important thing that I can teach my kids to teach them how to self-sufficient. I mean, I'm about to butcher a pig in a couple months. We're going to fatten her up. She's been fucking with the chickens. If you fuck with my chickens, you're, you're on the menu. Um, And, and so I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed that I'm a 44 year old man and I don't know how to like, that's sad that, I'm, I'm this old and I can't just butcher it. I mean, what the fuck, how am I going to provide like, I could shoot one, but I don't know how to butcher it. And I'd fuck it all up. If I tried, I mean, I, I, I I did, you know, um, buy a bunch of books about butchering and and that stuff. So I told my wife, I said, look, like we were thinking about getting rid of the pig and I said, no, we're not going to get rid of the pig. She was like, we, pigs are going for a lot right now. Like you could, you could sell a pig from anywhere from, 150 bucks to like $500 right now, depending on the pig. Like, it's a lot, dude. It's insane. I could sell my pig right now, the size she's at, for probably 250 bucks. Piglets, piglets are going for $200. That's how you get the bacon. Yeah. So literally. So I told her, I said, I said, but I don't, we don't need the money. I need to know how to slaughter a pig. And that's something I need to know how to do. So we're going to keep her. I'm going to build her a pen so she can't get to the chicken. Fatten her ass up. we're going to eat her. And that's how it is. And first I told my oldest son about it. He was like, what? And he got all teary-eyed. And I was like, nah, man, she's messing with the chickens. And, you know, uh, you need to understand that the direction that we're going with stuff, we're going to be butchering animals, dude. Like, this is the way we're going. And then today I was talking about butchering her. And he was like, hell yeah, bacon's good. And I was like, yes, (laughs) yes. Detach those emotions from that animal because that animal is now food. <laughs> 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 we have, we have like 18 chickens that'll never be on the menu. They are going to die an old life long as they can live, but everybody else, you're fair game. You are up for grabs. Uh, Speaking got, of
1: fair game, what's the hunting situation like in Texas?
0: Oh man. it's Much of a scene or. Oh yeah. It's, over- yeah. it's huge in texas um i think i heard some statistic that like something like 30 percent of all hunting license are sold in texas something like that i could be lying my fucking face off but wouldn't I surprise me something like that um but yeah i've got a buddy of mine that's got some land just north of here we're gonna go hunting uh i want to get some deer in the fall that's where you'll
1: that's where you'll learn just by doing like, yeah i'm lucky yeah. that i grew up in a family that we're hunters and we live in the country we fish we hunt deer duck everything like that i learned that at a very young age and you just
0: have to do it it's get
1: your hands in, get dirty
0: i've never processed my own animal never cut anything up i haven't shot any animal bigger than a deer i mean bigger than a bigger than a dove i want to shoot deer um i used to go dove hunting all the time and that's easy you don't even have to process that dove are made to take apart it's crazy (laughs) It's a dove or a crazy, crazy bird that was meant to be eaten um, because the heads just come off. If you stick your thumb behind the rib cage, it fits your thumb and you just turn them inside out. And the two breast meat, that's the only thing worth eating on a dove, just kind of fall right out. And you just, whoop, <laughs> right there. It's the easiest thing in the world. Um, so we used to do dove hunting a lot, but uh, I, I want to start hunting and start getting, like, processing all my own stuff. Even my deer, all of it and uh here in texas the hog problem the wild hog problem is so bad that it doesn't need a hunting season with deer it's like a month in the fall that you can go hunting and it's a little bit longer if you bow hunt first like bow hunters get a week with a week more um, so you if you're a bow hunter you get a week before gun hunting season opens up that you're just you're able to just go out with guns Bows seem way more different, though oh, massively bow, massively a crossbow counts as bow hunting and a crossbow I've heard is a lot better to hunt with because they shoot those freaking little bolts out super fast you can hit something at 100 feet pretty easily um aiming it just like it, apparently but we'll see. Maybe I'll get a crossbow too. That might be my next gun. Uh, they don't run out of bullets.
1: No, that's right. You can make more.
0: Yeah, you can just make more. Um, but yeah, man, self-sufficiency. You're freaking doing your permaculture garden, man. How's that shit coming?
1: Yeah, good. I've got some more native pig face coming in. So I'm going to experiment with a lemon lime pig face kvass very soon. Um, yeah, making some connections with local indigenous communities, trying to get seeds from some wild plants in the active area to get that going. And then I think I'll start some, um, some guerrilla gardening around the place and just start planting native edibles wherever I can. So if something does happen, I know where I can get food.
0: Yeah, dude. That's like, wouldn't it be great if all major cities lined their roads with fruit plants, like fruit trees and shit? Like, why not? You got to plant a tree. Why not an apple tree?
1: I brought that up, our housing estate, right? It's brand new. And there was a vacant block. And I got like a little community group, like, let's petition the council to let us put in a, a garden bed for vegetables. They came back at us with, it's a health concern for the community. What? <laughs> Improving our health is a concern. Uh, to uh, them. Oh.
0: Yes. To them. Yeah. To them. Yes. They don't want you help. Definitely not. All
1: right. Well, well, I think that's been the message all along for our series is that like, it's fun to look into this stuff and it's great to have a chat about it and watch movies between mates. But go out there and live life. And I'm just going to say thank you to the listeners for joining us on this journey of Movie Minds through the works of Hollywood's most loved and quirky character, actor Jim Carrey. Thanks, Bob, for setting this up and joining me on this. And watch out, listeners. We've got big stuff coming in the
0: future. Yeah, dude, this this has been a blast. And, you know, as Movie Minds may be coming to a close, our movie review podcast is not... So anybody that thinks this is a close, it's not. We're actually expanding bigger and better things and uh, make it kind of a cooler experience because I actually want to do video too. Um, I was messing around with Nate from Reality Czars because he randomly hit me up and wanted to review an episode of Black Mirror. Um, So I talked to him and we messed around on, I think, either Zoom or Stream where we could, you, me, and Andy could watch a movie together and do it like um, mystery science theater where we actually watch the movie and comment and comment on it as it goes, which I think could be a lot of fun. I think that could be a lot of fun. And you know,
1: once we get the once we get all the thing all the kinks worked out during that later on, we could have guests on and they could bring a movie to us for us to review with them.
0: Yeah. That'd be really interesting. It'd be a blast. I think it's going to be awesome so as this door is closing uh multiple other ones are opening so stay tuned it's only going to get better
1: all right guys and you can find me drew missing from missing the point on all your pod catchers itunes podbean
0: anywhere you find them and my friend moral bob where can we find you you can find me on instagram at the hidden pod at space is fake and gay and now at everything is fake and gay with underscores on either end um and you can find my podcast hidden in plain sight on all your podcatchers uh alt media united and actual activist doc i think that's it yeah come come listen to my shit listen to the ramblings of an old man that's pissed off at the (laughs) uh (laughs) all
1: right everybody and, and,
0: and, and you know we're gonna be doing this on there so that, Check out that's the, right.
1: the future. Clarity for people out there Missing the Point is M I S S E N. It's a play on my last name. So don't let that accent fool you. It's not missing. It's M I S S E N. Missing the Point. There
0: you
1: go. All right, brother. This has been All a right, blast. And I Good one. Definitely. Catch right. you around. Later.
0: Closing time. You don't gotta go home, but you can't stay here.